a series. Uh, it's it's a, a series kind of loosely based on uh, a series that uh, Andy Stanley has done called Starting Point. Uh, I listened to it a number of times um, uh, a while back, and there were certain things that just grabbed me. It's like there's certain things that I, you know, felt like our church needed to hear, and there's other things that, you know, go online, and if you get a chance, you can find it just by Googling, Googling Andy Stanley and Starting Point. Uh, there could be some other things in there. I'd encourage you to, to regularly be feeding yourself with the Word and teaching. Uh, it's just so available to us. But as a church, um, we, we've been looking at this, um, this, this idea of the starting point or foundations. And, and uh, if you've missed the last couple of weeks, these things build on one another. So it's not like you can just take this one just as it is and say, oh, you know, um, there's more to it because there's more to it. Uh, it's, it's building all of these things together. So the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about the idea that everything has a starting point. You had a starting point. You know, we said some of you were started on purpose and some of you, well, we're glad you're here. Uh, and others, we, um, we, we talked about that, you're, that, that everything in your life had a starting point. And, and one of those things that we rarely talk about is faith. But somewhere in your history of life, there's this, there was a, a time where this, what you thought about God, what you believe about spirituality, it had a starting point. And what we found for a lot of us in this country is, you know, we learned it as kids. Our parents told us stuff. We went to VBS, went to Sunday school, um, or, you know, we, we were in church and we've heard stuff about God. And what we found at the beginning of this series is that as you grow older, it, it was it, that faith didn't mature with us. And so the foundation that we had kind of built all of our, our hope and belief in God on, it gets chipped away a little bit by life. It's like, you know, you hear these things, God is good, and then bad stuff happens. And you're like, God, if you're good, like they told me, how come this is happening in my life? You know, or God answers prayer, but he doesn't answer mine. Maybe he doesn't exist. And so we start talking about those things get chipped, chipped away and then once the foundation gets too weak, it just kind of falls and people drift away from a, a, a passionate relationship with Jesus Christ. We, we just, it's not like you're like thinking, ah, I want nothing to do with God. You're angry or hate him. It's, it's not like that. It's this drift. We were talking about the last couple of weeks that for those of you who are here, maybe you're here and you've never, you, you're, not, you're not into church. You, you, you never, you know, it's not been something that was regular in your life, but you're, you're searching for something. We're talking to you this morning about here's where you start, where, where you are as an adult. And for those of you who've been kind of been part of church all your life, but it's just, it's just, not, it's just not real. It doesn't, it's, it's like you're just hoping that you're going to hear something that's going to um, spark something inside, but it's you know, kind of irrelevant. It's not a part of your everyday life. It's just your weekend. It's your weekend routine. We're talking to, to you as well this morning. And I think for all of us, we can be challenged to kind of rethink this starting point, this foundation that we've that we've um, based this faith on. So the, the question we said is, if we didn't have any of our, if we didn't have any of the past, if we didn't have any of the stuff that we built it on, where would we start over as adults? Where would we start faith in Jesus Christ as adults? And we looked at the first two weeks, week one, we asked a question. Anybody remember what it is? Who is? The answer is always Jesus at church. Come on, you know that, right? Who is, who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Not who was he? Who is he to you? Who do you believe that he is? And then last week we talked about the idea of, you know, um, uh, why do we need him? <laughs> you know, first, you know, did he exist, but why do we need him? And we talked about the idea of, you know, we like to call ourselves mistakers, you know, that we're, we're not sinners, you know, sinners don't need, or mistakers don't need forgiveness. Sinners do, and we talked about that, and you can, uh, you can check that one out online. We want to put another block in the, in the foundation um, wall this morning. I want to just call today, just trust me. Just trust me. How many of you have ever heard those words before? 
just trust me. Usually it's like with a sibling and you're about to do something really stupid and they're like, you know, he says, come on, just trust me, it's going to be okay. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, you feel, you know, it's more like one of these things kind of happens, you know, you're like, uh, you know, I can trust, but, you know, I don't think this is going to go, I don't think this is going to go as well, but okay, I trust you. And it doesn't go well. Um, you know, we, you know, my son Finn, he's two. Uh, and uh, I have a son, Maddox, who's three, and he's crazy, you know. He'll, like, we'd put him on the chain table when he was one, and be like, jump, and he would jump, and then we'd take a step back and jump, and he would jump, and take a step back and he'd jump, and he would jump. It wouldn't matter how far. He knew that he knew. I don't even know if he knew I'd catch him. He just thought, you know, fall, catch, whatever. It's going to be an awesome adventure. I'm doing it. He'll jump down. The, like, he'll come when I come home. I'm carrying guitar, bags, groceries. I get in the door, whatever it is I'm carrying. Usually not groceries. Other stuff. Walking in, carrying all kinds of stuff, and he'll be at the top of the stairs, catch me dad and jump and I'm not even like, I can't even catch him and he'll just grab on, add himself to the pile and, but Finn on the other hand, my two year old he already has this thing where he doesn't, he doesn't trust. He'd be like, you know, I've never dropped him yet. And it's like, here, you know, I hold on. Come on, jump to me. And he'll be like, he'll jump. And then I'll be like, okay, Finn, I'm right here now. I'll pull my hands back, jump to me. And he'll like lean right a little bit, but he won't. He'll grab my hands, put them on his belly, and then lean in for the, for the jump. I'm like, you're two. You know, you should trust me. I've always, almost always caught your brother, and I will always catch you, right? Um, so you can trust me. Do you know what's interesting? We were born with this ability to trust, but that changes as we go because there's a lot of these things where we find ourselves that we don't always trust. You know, maybe it was like somebody, you know, like these, your buddies say, hey, you know, here, this is a good idea. Let's dress up like a zebra and go see what, uh, let's go hang out with zebras and see what happens. And, you know, it's kind of an idea that, like, like this. It's, it's a, bad, a bad idea. Um, and, and, and you think, you know, this, this could have been fun, but, but I'm not sure. But for some of you, you know, trust has been, been broken in your life. Maybe it was your parents, and it started way back when. They lied to you, and you're like, you know what? I just don't know if I can trust. Maybe you have had a spouse that was unfaithful. It's really difficult to build trust. Maybe you just don't trust men in general. Hear that one a lot. You know, you know maybe you've had a friend who gossiped about you, betrayed you at school, or on, you know, put something on Pinterest or Instagram that just broke your trust. Maybe it's your boss, maybe it's your kids, maybe it's your government, your teachers, but somebody along the line has broken trust. And for, for a lot of us, it's hard when we have this thing of, hey, just trust me, like, ah, I don't really know if I can. And see, what's unfortunate is that a lot of times that's where our faith started as well. As kids with this idea of just got to trust, it's in the Bible, just trust me, you know, it's, it's true. If you believe that it's true, then it's true. But we had that about other things as well, like these guys. You know, we believe, if you believe Santa's true, <laughs> then he's true. If you believe, you know, the tooth fairy's real, then she's real. My kids have just found out that it's dad who puts the money under the pillow. And uh, they're not quite as thankful. But, you know, that, that idea of, of if you believe it, then it's true. And a lot of times we've been, we've been told this um, as, as a starting point, And then later on we're like, I don't know if I really believe. I don't, I don't really know. So we're going to come back to that. I want to talk a little bit about that this morning. Faith has a starting point. Not just our faith, not just our belief, but faith in general has a starting point. And you've got to go back in history to find out where, you know, where God started giving us this idea of being able to have a relationship with him, how that all started. And some of you are like, I don't really like history, you know. I don't really care how God started everything. I just want to know what he can do for me now. God, I'm praying that that girl on the other side of the auditorium would notice me and that I could ask her out and she would say, yes, God. And you pray and you pray, and you just never ask, right? But the, it's, it's you like, I, I, God, I want what you can do for me now. God, I need money like yesterday. 
I don't care what you did thousands of years ago. Just today. That's where our focus is. But this morning, I want to challenge you with some, with some things that you got to think about. And one of them is this. Where did, where, did, where did it all start? How did it start? Because if we look, we've looked at how, you know, people in the New Testament built a relationship with Jesus Christ. How did it, how did this whole idea of faith start? What's kind of interesting is if you look through it, you're going to find out that the three major religions that have one God, uh, and that would be Islam, that would be Judaism and Christianity, all three of them start in the, in the same place. They all start with this idea of God, who they call different names. All, all of um, their stories start with God who made a perfect world, a good world, a good place. And out of, after that, there's the there's spot where they recognize that man came in and has messed it up. We talked about that last week. Just profoundly destroyed um, what God had, had started and built. And then as you, you, um, as you keep going, you, you find out that they all, um, they all believe in, in Adam. They all believe that, you know, the, uh, that he was, you know, uh, uh, instrumental in, in this walk. And then there's this other guy. They all come up to this place where they, there's this, this other man that they all believe in called Abraham. He's part of all of the, um, the, the historical and traditional thoughts. And thinking, well, that's cool, but who cares? Why do we even care about Abraham? What does that mean for me today? Well, the story of Abraham deals with a thought that I think every single one of us at some point in our life wrestles with. And sometimes it's a lot. We wrestle with this thought a lot. And it's this thought. It's this thought. If there's a God, how am I doing? You know, when you lay awake at night wondering, you know, God, are you real? I know my parents take me to church, but are you like real? How come I can't hear you? You know, and you know, I did some bad stuff. You know, if you really exist, you know, how, how am I doing? Can I know you? You know, the question that I'd ask you is, are you righteous? We don't use that word a lot, but do you have a right standing with God? Do you know that you know that if you were to, you know, to die today, we hear that thing. If you were to die today, do you know what's going to happen to you? Do you know where you stand with God? Or are you just like, oh, I got my fingers crossed. I'm guessing, I'm hoping. Can anyone really know? You're like looking around, does anybody here know? Like, um, you know, is, is it possible to know? Well, see, the story of Abraham talks about that very thought. And we want to look at that this morning. But before we do, I'm actually, you know, through this, through this um, series with Andy Stanley, there's, there's a story that he told that I, I can't, I don't have one in my life that matches it. So we're going to, I'm going to let you, um, let you have a chance to see, to see his. So uh, can we fire that up? tell you a modern day story to kind of create the context for the dilemma that God had and why Abraham was someone that God paid any attention to. This happened a few months ago at my house. I was in my um, office working and I had a friend over from um, staff who was helping me on my computer because like many of you, um, I try to fix things and then when I finish fixing them, they're worse than when I fixed them. Do you ever do this? So I finally called an IT guy over. We're sitting in my office. I hear my daughter in the kitchen where she's the only one home other than, than me. And as I'm sitting there with him, suddenly I hear a sound similar to this. Now, when you're at home (laughs) and you hear any unusual sound at all, our minds all do the same thing. It starts faster than we could say it. We start running through the options. What could that be? And at first I thought she dropped a glass. Then I thought she'd drop two glasses. Then I thought maybe she just brought a bag of glass into the house and dumped it on the counter in the floor because literally it went on and on and on and on. That might have been a slight exaggeration, but it went on and on and on. And I mean, it went on and on long enough for me and this guy to look at each other like, 
what could that be? And then thinking it's over and there was more and more and more. So I run in the kitchen and there's my 17 year old daughter standing behind the kitchen counter barefooted and there is glass everywhere. It is a sea of glass. And what had happened is she, and, and, and I look at her and she said, dad, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, dad, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. And there are several points of blood trickling down her legs. Later, there would be seven band-aids, but no stitches involved in this. So there's blood trickling down her legs. She said, dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And I look up and the top shelf has tilted off of its little four little brass things that are supposed to hold it. All those glasses came off, the glasses off the next shelf and half the glasses off the next onto the granite countertop shattered all over the floor. And she's standing there bleeding barefooted. Yeah. And I looked at that cabinet and I looked at that mess and I pointed my finger at her. I said, I can't believe that you did that. And you can just stand there and figure out how to get out of this mess yourself. <laughs> serves you right. You should have been more careful. I grabbed my buddy. I said, let's go back in the office and figure out <laughs> network. And you can just stand there and bleed. Um, you can just stand there and bleed. You know, dad, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Well, it's your own fault. A lot of you look at that and you think, you know, yeah, Andy obviously comes in later and he says, you know, how he, he wanders in and he rescues his daughter. He gets some shoes on and he goes and he picks her up and he carries her, you know, across. Um, but a lot of us, you know, or I say a lot of, a lot of people, when you, they hear a story like that and they think about God, they think that God would be more like Andy just described. They're like, you know, if, if I've made this huge mess of my life, you know, God just pointing his finger at me like, you, well, you, you know, you, you're hopeless. You know, how, you, and we feel this guilt and the shame, like, how can I, you know, even expect that God would come and rescue me? How can I even expect that, that, that anything, and yet we know that as a parent, any good parent's going to come in and rescue him. You'd think, you know, Andy's more godly than God if he's going to go in and rescue his daughter. But if we think about it, we realize that God's good that he would, he would rescue him. We think about this, the, the planet that he created that was good. It had been pretty messed up um, by, by men. Uh, the choices that had been made destroyed everything that he had made. It was a disaster. It was a huge mess. And God could have looked at the mess the same way as, uh, as Andy looking at his daughter and saying, you know, uh, you know what? It's hopeless. I'm just going to put an out of order sign on this planet, send it off to the, you know, the back of the universe. I'm going to start, start over. I'm going to start with something new. But the story of Abraham tells what actually happened, where he says, you know what? I'm going to wade into that, that mess, that sea of glass. I'm going to wade into there, and I'm going to start something. I'm going to start a way to rescue and to change. And it's, it's the story of Abraham where we see that God stepped in. Back then, it was an incredible, incredible mess. We have social laws that, that kind of protect us as people. There's things, you know, if you, if you, if you do stuff wrong, you, you don't have the, the things, the options and choices like they had back then. Back then, if you were rich, you just... And you wanted something, you, or someone, you just took it. That's just how it worked. And, and now they're like, no, you know, that's not allowed. So there's incredible heartache, incredible hurt. And at that part, this is where, where God steps in, in the story of Abraham. So if you have your Bible, grab, go to Genesis chapter 12. This is an easy one to find because it's right at the beginning. It's the first book after table of contents. So if you're new to the Bible, just go past that a few pages in. Uh, and it's Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. And this is what it says. It says, The Lord said to Abraham, Leave your native country, your relatives and your father's family, and go to the land that I'll show you. So he, God speaks to this man named Abraham. And it's actually, it's Abram at this point, but he, his name gets changed to Abraham. So we're just going to go with Abraham for the whole, for the whole story. But he says to Abraham, hey, I want you and your wife and your, your nephew, you can take him along, but I want you to leave everything that you know. 
I want you to, to leave all of your influence and all the people that, um, that you grew up with, and I want you to go to this land somewhere far away. And Abraham, he, he does, he leaves. And we think, you know, why Abraham? Why did God pick this guy? And if you're a Christian or if you, you know, grew up in church, you're going to think, because he's like a superhero of faith. He's one of the first superheroes. Um, Abraham, you know, if you read in Hebrews later on in the Bible, when they talk about Abraham, they write the most verses about this guy. He was an incredible hero of faith. And we think, man, of course that's why. My kids, they love superheroes. They're running around with Spider-Man and Iron Man. Actually, Spider-Man was sitting on the chair this morning when we got here uh, because they love superheroes. And some of us, when we read the Bible, we think those guys must have been really special people. Like it was Super Abe, you know, with a special power of childlike faith. You know, of course he could do it, but that's why God picked him. He must have been, even though we don't know, he must have been somebody more special than me. And yet what we realize as you read his story, he's a very normal guy. Actually a pretty normal screwed up guy. Anybody know guys who screwed up? And all you women are so wise, you didn't put your hands up. I love it, you know. But, but these, these guys that sc- screw up, if you read Abraham's story, Abraham says to him, um, or God says, Abraham, I got a promise for you. I want you to go and leave your country. And so as Abraham's on the journey, he, him and his wife are on this journey. Um, she's, she's actually old at this point. I was somewhere like 60, 75 years old. They're wandering on this journey, and uh, they go through Egypt, and, and all of a sudden, he looks at his wife, he's like, wow, my wife's like smoking hot. That's not a good thing. It's good for me, but it's not good if I'm wandering around because like the kings are going to see her. They're going to want her. They're going to kill me and take her. So he says, Sarah, I got a plan. If anybody tries to take you, just say you're my sister so they don't kill me. And sure enough, that's how it goes. They go through. The king of Egypt's like, hey, I want her. Go get her for me. That's what they did back then. They go and take her. It's like, ah, oh, is this your husband? No, that's my brother. And so they take her, and, and, and Abram's like, yep, just, just let her go. He gives his wife away. Some of you think you have loyalty issues in your marriage. He just gave his wife away and said, I'll just get another one, right? Not only once did he do this, he did this twice. And both times God had to kind of step and say, Abraham, you've got to trust me. Uh, you know what? Stop giving your wife away. We need her for this promise, all right? So uh, going through. And, and then Abraham, when God promises him that he's going to have a son, and he's like, well, my wife's 90. She's smoking hot because it was at 90 that even another guy tried to take her away. And yet, you know, he's like, oh, we've tried for a long time and there's no babies. And so finally Sarah's like, I'm too old to have a child. You know what? Here, take my handmaiden um, and, and have a child with her. And Abraham's like, all right, but only because you said so, honey, right? So, and, and he goes and, and he has a child with this, with this other woman. We're like, what? Okay, God, you, you started with this guy? Couldn't you find somebody? Why did you start with Abraham? He's like, I got to start somewhere. So a lot of times we think this was this special, amazing guy. And it was all about him. But it wasn't. It was all about what God was going to do through real people. Any real people here this morning? God can do some things through real people. God made some promises and he kept them. What a novel idea. Some of you, it's your, you just don't trust because all the promises that have been made, they just weren't kept. And, and this is such an interesting part. If you look at verse 2, of the story. What's so interesting about this, even if you don't believe Genesis, even if you're like, I don't know if I really believe the Bible, I want you to really grab your, you know, your thinking caps, as, as my teachers used to say, put them on and think about this for a second. Genesis chapter 12, verse 2, God says this to Abraham. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. Make some three promises. That's number one. He says, I'll bless you and make you famous, and you'll be a blessing to others. And then verse 3, he says, I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who treat you with contempt, And all the families, all the families, all the people groups on the earth are going to be blessed through you. 
what's really, really interesting about this is this is a historical document from way back when that, uh, that you know, has survived 4,000 years. And, and this is the promise that was made in that thing. It says, I will make you a great nation. Abraham, I'm going to make you a great nation. And you know what? Today, if you look around, the Israelites would say, you know what? Um, all of uh, the people of Israel would say, yeah, that man Abraham, who we believe in, is part of our history. We're that great nation. And, and you know what's interesting? The Arab nations, all of the Arab nations right now would look back and go, you know what, Abraham, yeah, he was the father of Ishmael. He's, he's, um, he, we're the great nations that came from him. And Christians, we look back and because we've um, realized that, you know, faith started there, we look back and realize God's made this new nation of people from all races and colors and he's put it all together as a big family. We're this great nation of people. But no one will disagree that great nations came from Abraham, that God kept this promise that was made. The second thing he says, I'm going to bless you and make you famous, Abraham. Just a nobody. I'm going to take you away from everybody who knows you and I'm going to make you famous. Let's do a little test. Okay, a show of hands. How many of you have heard of the biblical Abraham before today? Just take a look around. How many of you have heard of him? Pretty much a lot of you. Now, you say, well, yeah, of course. We were raised in this country. How many of you heard of this guy? His name is um, Cheddar Laomer. For those of you who weren't here last night, how many of you have heard of Cheddar Laomer? <laughs> Nobody, really. Nobody's heard of Cheddar Laomer. Cheddar Laomer, uh, which is very interesting, he's in the Bible as well. Uh, you just can read about him in a couple of chapters after this. But Cheddar Laomer was, the, was a king back then, and he was the king. He's the king who, um, who got four other kings to work with him. He wanted to rule everything. Everybody in Abraham's time knew who Cheddar Laomer was because you either, he either owned you or he was about to own you. He would fight and attack and build this massive kingdom. And, uh, and so everybody, he was going to build an empire based on everyone would know the name of Cheddar Laomer. None of you know him. So the king, this most famous person back then, no one knows. And yet this nobody named Abraham that a promise was made to him said, I'm going to make you famous. You, in a country, across an ocean, know his name. Interesting. God's promise was, I'll make you famous. He kept it. Third one was this. All the families of the earth will be blessed through you. And you know what the, happens? The Jewish people would say, of course, you know, the, the nations have been blessed as a result of us. Financially and in, in, in a, a number of ways, they've been blessed by us. The Arab nations, that's their whole goal, is that the whole world would be blessed and be better and influenced. They have a different way of going about it. But that is their same thought, that the nations would be blessed because of them. And Christians, it's the same thing. Going traveling to Africa. Why? Because they want to go to Africa? No. Because they want to go make a difference. Why? Because faith has challenged our heart. And it's because of this thing that God did through Abraham that all of a sudden we're like, yeah, you know, Christians around the world were saying they're blessed. So there's no doubt that all of these nations have been blessed because of Abraham, because of a promise. See, what a lot of times you want to think is, oh, you know, I just got to have blind faith. I got to be like the guy in the trapeze. I'm just like, yeah, I hope for the best. But he's not calling us to blind faith. He's actually calling us to trust something that that you can see that he's kept his promises. If you look, you know, a few chapters later, Abraham's out and he's praying. He's like, God, you told me you're going to make me a great nation. I don't even have a kid. In, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 4, as he's talking to God, he's like, God, I don't even have a kid. You're going to have to leave all my possessions to this guy named Eliezer, who's probably another name you've never heard of. Uh, and he says, and, and, and God says to him, no, no, Abraham, it's not like that. The Lord said to him, no, your servant will not be your heir, for you're going to have a son of your own will be your heir. And then the Lord took Abraham outside and said to him, look in the sky and count the stars if you can. That's how many descendants you'll have. 
That's how many descendants. So God promised him a son. And you know what? For, for us, he's like saying, go out and count the stars. If you live like, you know, in the Hamilton area, go out and you count them. It's like one, two, three, five. All right, yeah. And oh, wait, the satellite, four. All right. And, and if, if, but if you live out here, you can see, you know, you can see a lot of stars when you go out and look up. But this year, last year, we were out fishing. Chris and I sat around a fire near Elk Lake, and we just looked up at the sky, and it looked like this. This isn't Elk Lake because there's an observatory right there in the corner. But this is like this, this campground. As we looked up, we were like, whoa, I have never seen that many stars. And Abraham in his time with no light pollution would have looked up and seen this vast expanse. And God's like, all right, Abraham, start counting because that's going to be your descendants. And he's like, I don't have a kid. I got to, what? Like, that's, God, that's going to, that's, that's crazy. That's going to, that's going to take a long time. I'm not going to see that in my lifetime. And God's like, yeah, I know, but I'm going to make you an incredible, incredible nation. And here's the personal part. Here's where all of that matters for you today is right here. Because in this, in this ancient um, uh, manuscript that's, that's been preserved for, for years and years and years and years and years, 4,000 years, nearly this, there's this one sentence, this one statement that's made that as they wrote this, it's, a, it's incredible that it's lasted. But this one statement it begins, to, it begins to show us what the, the relationship that God has with men. Before any of this other stuff um, happened, it was answering this question, can I know where I stand with an invisible, silent God? How do I know where I stand? Christians, Muslims, and Jews all took this one statement, this how to have a relationship with God, and they've all added something to it. But if you go way back before all of it, there was this sentence right here, Genesis 15, verse 6. It didn't have the 15, verse 6 then. It was just a sentence that said this, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. It says that Abraham believed the Lord, and that the the Lord credited to him, just gave it to him. Gave him what? Righteousness. Gave him right standing with God. Gave him this, the relationship with him was just like, here it is. You trust in me, so I'm giving it to you. So that same statement can be said in, in a thought like this, that trusting God, trusting God results in a right relationship with God. Simply trusting him. So my question for you this morning is, what have you built this idea of relationship with God on? Is it simply trust or is it trust plus? Because that's what happened. As soon as, you know, a, a couple hundred years later, you know, the, the nation of Israel became a nation and they changed this. It wasn't anymore that because Abraham trusted God or because you can trust God, you have a right relationship with him. It was all about where you were born. If you were Abraham's kids, you were good. You were in. If you were Abraham's sons, you were, you were born into it. So when Jesus came along, he's like, hey, you know, you can have a relationship with God. We don't need it, they said. We're Abraham's kids. We're good. In our country, it sounds more like this. Well, I was born, I was baptized into the Anglican church, Presbyterian, you know, liberal, whatever church you were baptized into, and you kind of have this thing. I've talked to people a couple of weeks ago. There's a girl who's here, and she's like, ah, you know, I kind of like it here, but I wasn't baptized when I was a baby. Like, I wasn't baptized in church. I'm kind of nothing. I'm like, kind of nothing? It doesn't matter where you were born or baptized. You can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, as, a, um, as an adult, with them. Um, you know, it didn't matter where you were born. For some, it's become about behavior. 620 years after Jesus, the prophet Muhammad came and he wrote um, this, this book called the Quran. And in there, it was all about this idea of keeping laws and keeping rules. And, you know, you got to believe, but you got you to do good things. And in the end, 
Allah's going to measure and say, who, you know, did you do enough good or did you do, um, did you do more bad and, and you're done? And they have a skewed version of what's good and what's evil. But that's snuck its way into our culture as well. See people in church lots of times like, yeah, I got to believe, but I got to do good stuff, right? Like, you know, my hope is that I'm a pretty good person. I've done a lot more good things than bad things. And I'm hoping, I don't know for sure if I'm going to make heaven, but, you know, I, I, I think if God weighs it out, he's probably, I, I'm hoping I've done enough good things. And you're, it's based on this idea of my relationship with him is based on my behavior and the last thing, you know, 30 minutes after Jesus left, the Christians started arguing about, you know, what do you believe? You, gotta, you know, can the Gentiles be saved? Do they have to be circumcised? And there's a whole other topic. You know, and there's all these thoughts like you've got to believe all the right things. And, and um, they, they couldn't get it right. Couldn't have this thought. But it was like if you had the right doctrine, then you were, you know, good with God. And yet, if you look at this, you see that God made it so, so simple. So with this last thought, I want to challenge you to think about you. When he says to you, will you trust me? When God says to you, will you trust me? And for some of you, that's really hard to do. Because this idea of trust, it's just been broken so many times. I don't know if I can get to that place. For some of you, it's hard because you're like, Mark, what you're talking about right now doesn't sound like what I heard before. I always thought I had to be a good little boy because Jesus is watching. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. I even sang about it. Be careful, little eyes, what you see. The Father up above looking down a big stick be careful little eyes what you see right that those thoughts of like he's always watching and it's got to be something about my behavior see i think we got to ask ourselves this question if we realize that the mess that we find ourselves in this mess of a planet just dominated by sin would we trust would we be able to believe that what the story says here is true that that god would wade in that he would see and love people that he would offer unconditional love to people who would just simply just trust and reach out for that. Could, it, could that starting point, could it be that simple that the starting point for a genuine relationship with Jesus is just trust? Just simply trust? Starting point. The starting point, the foundation, because for some of you, you don't trust. You're, you don't trust that God's good. You can't rationalize a lot of this stuff. You think that God does bad things to you. You have a hard time because you're like, God killed my parents. God took my whatever. And you look at this. God's sovereign, but he's not evil. He can make his choices, but they're not going to be evil. There's evil on this planet. A lot of you have had difficulty with trusting God, but he's saying, hey, you know what? This whole idea of relationship with me is, is, is a, built, a big part on trusting, trusting that God can do what he said he can do. And some of you are like, well, that's just Abraham. You know, and now you're just telling me, God has that blind faith. It's not blind when you can just see that the promises God made way back then, he kept true. And we can see that 4,000 years later, later, even though Abraham didn't. You know, and, and, and it, it ends with this. A couple thousand years later, there's a guy named Paul. A guy named Paul who wrote a bunch of letters to a whole bunch of um, uh, people all over that, that region of that time. And he wrote a letter to a group of people in Rome where it was terrifying to be a Christian at that point, to be a follower of Jesus. It was terrifying. He wrote to them, and he said a few things to them, and he said this. He said in Romans chapter 12, verse 3, there was no 12, 3 in the letter at that point, but he said, you know what? God's given everyone the measure of faith. God's given everyone this ability to trust. He's given it to you. But it's not just, we know that trust is not just this thing that, oh, it's given to me, okay. You naturally have it in you, but it's built. It's built on these ideas of, okay, thinking about the fact that, I, can I trust who Jesus is? Thinking about the idea of, man, I need a Savior. And th 
third thing that God keeps promises, he's trustworthy. And he said this in Romans chapter 10. He wrote this to them and he said, you know what? It hasn't changed since the time of Abraham where it started out before the law, before Islam, before even Christians were around on this planet, Jesus followers. There was this idea of the simple thing of trusting God leads to right relationship with God. He said this in Romans 10 verse 9. I want to leave you with this thought. It says this, if you openly declare, if you, He's writing to believers then and now. He says, if you confess, or if he says, if you, in verse 9, if you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe, if you trust, that's what that word's talking about. If you believe in your heart, trust in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you'll be saved. You'll be saved. You'll have right relationship with him. It says, because this in verse verse, um, 10, for it is by believing, it is by trusting in your heart that you are made right with God. Some of you are trying so many other things. You're counting on your baptism from when you were as a child. You're counting on the parents' decisions. You're counting on all the stories that you heard. You're counting on, you know, maybe your behavior that you're a good little boy or a good little girl or whatever, that you're doing more right than wrong. You're counting on the fact, I've got my doctrine straight. Hope it's going to work. And he said this, it's simply this, that by trusting in your heart, Jesus is Lord, that God raised him from the dead, you will be made right with God. I want to leave that with you. Um, today to just kind of take home and think about because all it takes is the same thing as Abraham. (laughs) Abraham didn't say a sinner's prayer. He didn't say any of those kind of things. He just simply said, okay, God, I believe what you said to be true and I trust you. So where does that leave you? Are you actively engaged in following Jesus Christ in your everyday life or do you need to restart? Are you here this morning like, man, I've tried everything to make my life happy and it's left me empty. I need to start somewhere. I want to tell you this morning, that starting point is this, trusting that God would wade into the mess that you find yourself in and give you the chance to, to pull you out, to give you hope if you just trust. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. <laughs> thank you for uh, giving us that chance to understand and know you. Thank you for the hope that it brings. It's, it's incredible. Father, I pray for every person in this place. If they don't know you this morning, don't really know you, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you do what you're always doing, that you keep prodding in hearts and and minds and keep bringing these thoughts around that they might have a chance to to reach out and really trust you. For those who who that's such a difficult thing for, God, I pray that they find you to be the first trustworthy person that they've ever met. Thank you for the lives you've changed. Thank you for my life you've changed. I love you. As we go out from this place, may people see you in us. May the desire to know you to know you. May we portray and show the world how good, how awesome, how amazing, how full of love you are. It's in your name we pray this morning.